When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can seem intense. Like breakup R&B intense. I thought you said you loved the sweater that I got you. If you didn't, you could have told me. Geico makes it easy. Just go to Geico.com anytime to update or check your policy without all the extra drama. I even had a gift receipt. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Wake Up Mission Show. With your host, Shalene Nightingale and Randy D. January 27th is Randy Dees and me, Shalee Nightingale, today. So, uh, Randy, um, in the yes, second ma'am. hour, uh, we have scheduled uh, my friend, Sheriff Richard Mack, on the show. And we're hoping that's still the case, but I did receive some news. I did try calling uh, the good sheriff today. Um, did not hear back. Linda hasn't heard from him. Uh, so we don't know. We're, so we're, we're hoping he's going to be on. Actually, it will be a good sign if he is, but, uh, Sheriff Richard Mack, um, had a cardiac medical emergency about a week ago. Um, and this is following a couple of weeks ago, his lovely, beautiful wife, Dawn, who's just as sweet as could be, who had her own, she was hospitalized. So I wow. I don't know um, um, if he's going to be on the show today or not, but we are hoping he is. And either way, you know, uh, Richard, Richard's family, just so you know, our show, uh, our team, the Wake Up Mission team, will be praying for your family. And uh, Richard Dunn, uh, we love you, uh, but Richard, obviously we hope we will see you in the in the second hour. That would explain why we didn't hear back from him, <laughs> you know, um, not to make light of the situation. Um, I mean, he confirmed the show, you know, uh, some weeks back, but this was before all the medical emergencies. Wow. It just, wow. you know, Randy, it, you know, again, we don't have an update. Hopefully we will get one in the second hour. But it just goes to prove you should never, you know, um, take your friends, your family, your loved ones for granted um, at all. Yeah, and, and your, your own life either. You know, tomorrow is not guaranteed. Exactly. And, you know, and I want to talk about Richard for a second and in a good way. I like him. I like him quite a bit. And I've read things from people in the liberty movement about him that's not so nice. And... 
you know, people saying he's just a, you know, I, I don't even want to repeat what people have said, and it's not everyone, it's just a few people. And it just, you know what, it also says to me, who are you to judge another person? And why, if you're in the liberty movement, why do you want to take down one of our own? You may not agree with everything they do. Also, you don't know a person's position at all. You don't know what that person's going through. I find that people are so incredibly self-centered. They can call you a friend to your face and then behind your back stab you uh, in this movement. Um, and, And really seriously, we've got people on the other side that want us dead. People that want to completely take America, shove it in the ground, remove God permanently, and really, why why do you want to fight and tear down people that are in this movement, regardless of whether you agree with how they're doing it or not, regardless of whether you agree with their personal life or not, uh, why do you do that? Don't we have enough worries going on in this world? You know, if you don't like somebody in the movement, just don't talk to them. You know, you don't have to work with them. There's enough people trying to get back the republic, trying to fight for a free market system, trying to fight for liberty and freedom. There's enough people. You don't have to work with that person. And if you see them at an event, don't be rude. No, we have enough going on with the with the statists, the collectivists, the liberals, progressives, whatever you want to call them, on the other side. Yeah, we're all supposed to be on the same side, you know. So you know what this uh, does deeply affect me, and uh, hopefully he'll be on the show with us in the second hour. So, uh, well, how was your day, uh, Randy? Do anything interesting? More of the um, same? Oh <laughs> uh, well. Um... I last week, and you know, I don't know why I didn't think of this months ago. I've been, I got back into exercising. Um, I've got a life cycle, and it's kind of like a sit-down version of an elliptical. It's got the moving handles that, you know, it's it's kind of like a sit-down exercise bike, but the handles move. And um, I've uh, two days in a row, I broke uh, 16 miles in an hour. Wow. Um, uh, that's not super speedy, but for an old dude like me, I guess it's pretty good. And That um, is good. Yeah, so I, I broke that barrier again today, and I've noticed that since I started exercising again, I am hungry all the time. I mean, um, <laughs> I ate lunch, and before we went on the air, I'm like going, I wonder if I should eat. You know, it's two hours. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm going to wait, and I, and I went and bought, uh, you know, a bunch of healthy um um, yeah, it's prepackaged and it's loaded with sodium, but uh, you know, I've got a freezer stocked full of smart ones. Uh, you know, no more fried. I never did like fried food anyway, so I didn't eat a whole lot of it. But I like, really I'm watching. sorry, I like fried chicken, I really do. I love a good fried chicken. Uh, not me, I, I've never liked mm. you know, fried everything. Uh, I, I just, uh, I, I'm, I like baked and grilled. Um, oh, I do yeah. too, but I love a good, I love, love, love a good fried chicken. Um, you know, I walked uh, three miles on uh, Saturday. I was proud of myself. I used to work out every single day, but since having right. my, my, my youngest, I, I haven't been like that. And um, but I think you, what you and I both need is a little one fit. 
Yeah, well, um, that's you know, something. follow Linda's and Natty's lead on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to get the one fit. I mean, I've got a medicine chest full of vitamins and supplements. Um, you know, before Wake Up Now, I used to buy stuff from bodybuilding.com. Uh-huh. And, you know, it was good. Um, you know, back in the day when I was training um, with Jabbar, I was taking um, the Lean Extreme, and that stuff was great. You know, I mean, I was shredded, you know, six-pack abs, you know, um, you know, and all the muscle groups were pumped, and, and that stuff was really good. But I don't know if it's on the market anymore or not. It's harder and harder to find it. Um, they had it at the gym, and then um, – they started carrying a different brand, so I was getting it at Walmart. And, you know, for the I went to GNC one time because they didn't have it at Walmart. They were out, and they were out at the gym. And, and these bottles, um, I think they were like maybe 8 nine, ten, somewhere in the, like, the 9 to $10, $12 range, something. I, I forget. I went to GNC, and it was $28 for the same bottle. And I told the guy, I said, no offense, dude, but... I'll just wait till I got it back at the gym. You know, they're they're selling it for half of what you guys are. Um and when and that was just the one that was just that was twenty eight dollars just for lean extreme. So when you compare the pricing of that to like the whole package you get with the one fit bundle, I mean you, you can't beat it because it it's everything. Um exactly. you know, supplements, uh, the detox, um, you know, they they've got it all covered, you know, and I'm not shilling for them because you know, uh, we work for Wake Up Now, but, you know, it, it is a great bargain, and it's something that uh, probably next month, which is, well, like four days away now, uh, I'm going to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to get the one fit, um, and my old trainer, um, you know, after I moved, sent me a workout, he called it the 562 workout, and uh, it, it was brutal, Um and so I had been doing that, and I severely hurt my back, um, <laughs> not this past May, but the May before, and I wasn't doing anything any differently. You know, I've got back problems anyway, but this was in a new area, and a whole, I mean, it, it was so bad, it hurt to breathe, and if I had to clear my throat or cough, uh, I mean, it, you know, I was, I was, I thought something is severely wrong, so I, I didn't lift weights for you know, for a while because of it. Um, well, something but, happens when you're no longer in your 20s. Uh, that's for sure. Um, my hardest workouts were back when I was in a dance company. Uh, let me tell you, Cheryl. Ooh, Cheryl was the director of our dance, our little dance team with the dance company. Oh, my gosh. She used to kill us. I loved her, though. Oh, yeah. uh, I really did. She She's uh, there's another Cheryl uh, that's a dancer I think on Dancing with the Stars Cheryl Burke, and this and the Cheryl that was our director really reminds me of her, uh, you know, really great dancer, really fit, but oh my gosh, we, you know, you go home with bleeding, believe me, you you you're, you have band aids all over your toes. Uh, But anyway, I kind of want to move on here. uh, Speaking of band aids, Uh, (laughs) no, 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 no. But you know, there's just so much in political headlines uh, that you know it just. This is my this is my hour, or my should I say two hours, depending on the guest or depending if we have a guest, where I can really let loose because I've really pulled back. Because if you focus on politics all day like you and I have in the past, 
uh, it could send you to cardiac arrest. So I've tried to really pull back and balance my life. So an hour of research per day in this show and then maybe post-show. So uh, I know it still sounds like a lot, but I'm only doing that four days a week now. So, you know, I only spend about 16, maybe 20 hours per week tops on politics today uh, because it just can really consume you. Oh, and it's it. good to be awake. It's good to be awake. It's good to be prepared. And that's what this show is about. We want you to have solutions. We want you to be awake. We want you to be prepared. But um, anyway, so I want to get it out so I don't have to focus on this after the show uh, too much. You know, I homeschool. Okay. And I'm with HSLDA. I don't know how any homeschooler, especially in these times, is not with them. They're they're advocates for homeschooling since 1983, uh, but you know they have uh, attorneys and uh, on staff and and really do a lot to help stop bad legislation, to help homeschoolers that you know the government comes after. Um, they're a really great organization. I highly recommend that if you can donate, you donate to them. If you are a homeschooler like me, you should join them. Uh, anyway, this came out today, and I this is an email they sent because I'm uh, obviously a member, so I get their emails. <laughs> uh, Randy, I didn't know if, if I should scream, cry, or just laugh. Probably so, all of the above. I, I did a little bit of all three. <laughs> so a bill is currently under consideration. Now, this is in the New Hampshire legislature. Legislature, which is really funny because it was supposed to be New Hampshire that became a free state. A lot of people in the liberty movement were, were moving to New Hampshire. They said they were going to make a difference. I seriously, I, I, I don't know what they've done because you couldn't pay me to move there. Anyway, in their legislature, and, and, and I'm reading this because it's not going to stay. If it passes, it's not going to stay in this state. Believe you me, it will move like wildfire because yeah, this will be the way. It was like cancer. Exactly. It spreads. And they want to stop homeschoolers anyway. Why? Because homeschoolers test higher than public schoolers. Homeschoolers are not getting a common core education. We're going to talk about common core here in just a moment. Homeschoolers are not being indoctrinated. They're actually learning. They read. They write. And they're not reading Obama's executive orders. They're learning real history in a family environment and psychologically um, and education, they they are far superior than their public school counterparts. That's not what the federal government wants. No, and they don't they want, want people a bunch of, for themselves. No, they don't want anybody marching to the beat of their own drum. They want absolutely no Thomas Jeffersons, no Benjamin Franklins. Uh, no, they want none of the above. They want little Nazi Hitler soldiers, zombies. So they'll do anything that they can. Uh, I remember we reported it on the show, homeschooling the fastest growing form of education in the country. 
Uh, we're almost at that critical 10%. Once it gets, once it gets there, trust me, federal government, state governments are going to do what they can to stop it. So anyway, uh, this uh, legislature in New Hampshire would impose federally developed citizenship standards as a graduation requirement. It's a Senate Bill 157 proposes that all, you know, all public, private, and homeschool children take the U.S. citizenship civics test. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Since when does citizenship mean squat anymore? They left the borders open, and they're letting everybody and their brother come over, and they don't require citizenship of them. Screw that. Screw the New Hampshire legislature. That's why I was laughing, screaming, and crying at the same time, because it's exactly what I was going to say, Randy, and this is why we are best of friends, because uh, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Oh, but illegal aliens can pour over the border uh, uh, unlawfully, and they don't take any citizenship tests, but they're American, and they can go get jobs, go to get grants to go to college and everything else. But if you're an American citizen and you're homeschooled, you have to take a citizenship test? What? Hi, they. Yeah. So, uh, in keeping uh, along those lines, um, <laughs> uh, this one uh, ired me as well. I, mean, you know, I said I was going to mention Common Core, which, as you know, I'm an advocate against Common Core. Um, there was an article about the Modesto School District um, trying to convince parents Teaching kids two plus two can equal five. Remember, that's part of Common Core. We've 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 talked about this on the show. <laughs> two plus two equals five, can equal five. Uh, you know what are they doing now? Now I've seen enough Common Core. I've studied it enough. I've spoken at two events now against Common Core. While I don't consider myself an expert on Common Core, I'm pretty thoroughly knowledged on what it is and what it isn't. It was not designed by people with PhDs um, specializing in history, English, science, etc. Um, it was designed by, was funded by Bill Gates and created with an association of governors along with some school superintendents. That's who designed Common Core. It is about really the dumbing down, the control, and the indoctrination. In fact, one Common Core school question was, how is the government like your family only better? That's not a joke. That was actually a real Common Core question. That's dangerous, subversive language. Uh, very. And again, it's worse. We've talked about it on the show before. You really, if you're a parent and you public school your children, you better start learning about Common Core. Part of Common Core is to teach against the founding fathers, considering them radicals. Part of it is teaching communism, and also part of Common Core is teaching how great Islam is. Nothing about Christianity, just Islam. 
Two plus two equals five is not a joke. That is a, that is a real uh, a real example of Common Core math. Pins right here. There's four ink pins. Where the <laughs> hell? The, 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 they're they're a bunch of crackheads. Jesus Christ! Oh, I'm sorry. Well, um, there is an agenda. And a lot of therapists across this country have come out against Common Core. It's causing children to cry. Literally, it's causing depression in children. It's causing frustration with parents. I mean, you can Google. This is happening nationwide. Remember, we've told you, why aren't you hearing this on your media? Uh, We've told you. We've reported this on this show. It's controlled media. So these are real. You can Google online, and you can find some local news reports on it. You can find a lot of parents with YouTube uh, information. There's some organizations out there that are exposing Common Core. So anyway, opponents are not allowed to respond or make their own presentation. Only the teacher's Pro Common Core can. I went to an event where, trust me, that's what the two teachers, that one was a principal, one was a teacher, that was what they wanted. They tried to shut down those of us against Common Core. It was, it was, it was, they were bullies, let me tell you. They didn't win the debate, by the way, at all that day. But I remember how they acted. They got very infuriated, especially with me. Uh, anyway, uh, the real story is that the California PTA, supposedly representing the parents and students as well as teachers, has decided, decided to be the propaganda master once again, with one-sided responses and not allowing the parents or the students to be heard. So um, they, the California State PTA just produced – the following guide in several languages, by the way. Again, mm. uh, this is happening on your taxpayer dime if you live here in California. Several languages. The PTA Parents Guide to Student Success, which, which is basically it's just promoting Common Core. There's no pros and cons of Common Core. It's just a propaganda piece. It's called PTA Parents Guide to Student Success. So it's Common Core propaganda in several languages that you, the taxpayer, paid for. So uh, anyway, this was uh, 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 just a couple of days ago in Modesto. Uh, Brandy Franks, an elementary school teacher, uh, is tackling one of the greatest challenges facing educators, building support among bewildered parents for the Common Core standards. As teachers are discovering necessary first steps to helping parents understand really what the, what, the, what the standards consist of. Now, Common Core has been out for a couple of years. This was the year, this past year, 2014, where it had to be fully implemented all across the country. It's been out for a couple of years, yet parents still don't understand it. What does that tell you, Randy? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You have really no comment because uh, exactly, if they well, don't I can't understand say it, <laughs> or in, if they in don't, public, 
Yes, if they don't understand it by now, they're not going to ever. They're going to be shunned propaganda because just like we reported on the show past Thursday as Goebbels, which was uh, Hitler's Nazi propagandist, said, repeat a lie often enough, it becomes the reality. They're going to keep pushing Common Core. So they brought these parents in, okay, uh, to uh, organize a parents' Common Core math night. And she had parents sit together in groups and work on the same math problems their children grapple with each day. Common Core supporters say that getting buy-in from parents is essential for these standards to uh, continue. Unbelievable. Wouldn't it be Uh, funny if all the parents in Modesto pulled their kids out and started homeschooling them? Then Modesto would have no money for their schools. There would be a bunch of empty buildings. Well, you know, know, I keep trying to tell people, why, why are you public schooling your children still? Why? I, I, you know, hear the same excuses. Well, we can't afford it, or we can't do, we don't have the time, or I don't know how. Look, God gave you children. You, not the state, are responsible for your children. You've given up all your parental rights. And if you don't believe that, listen to this show every day. You'll hear some news over time that will be very unsettling. Yes, you have given up your rights to the state. You're having the state educate your children. The Bible says you, not the government, you, the parent, is supposed to train up your child. You. The founding fathers also said you should train up your children in the the principles of liberty. You, not the state. That's what's happened to our society. We, we've become really a bunch of babies. And I'm going to talk about our generation, the X generation. We were spoiled brats. We really were. We really didn't have any wars uh, when we were in school. We were very young. We had money. It was under the Reagan era, Clinton eras. Uh, we were spoiled brats. All about me. So our generation... Um, and, and we're teaching our children at millennials to uh, be dumbed down and to rely on government because we're too busy with our own lives. And I don't mean to scold anybody. I'm just letting you know this is a crisis. And that common core is very, very dangerous for your child. There's been many psychiatrists, psychologists that have come out to say that they are really, truly, honestly believe that their business practices are going to be so busy in the future because of Common Core. Uh, there is a little bit of good news, though. Um, national Please. school. <laughs> this is actually good. I'm just keeping it within the education family. National School Choice Week kicks off. Uh, I didn't even know that there was one. Apparently, last week, U.S. Senator Tim Scott led a resolution designating the week of January 25th through January 31st, 2015, as National School Choice Week to passage in the U.S. Senate. On February 9th, Senator Scott will bring together nationally recognized school choice advocates, experts, and practitioners, as well as parents and students, for a day-long forum on school choice. So I think that's 
absolutely, uh, absolutely great. Uh, meanwhile, the Black Alliance for Educational Options, a national ga- grassroots education organization, continues their effort to promote school choice. So I think that that's uh, really great. Uh, if you want to learn uh, more information, you can go to U.S. Senator Tim Scott serving South Carolina. This is the guy I like. We've talked about him on this show before. Um, I just think he's doing some terrific work, and um, I'm interested in seeing what else he does in the future. Anyway, you can go to Tim Scott, uh, that would be scott.senate.gov, um, for more information on, on this school choice. Um, or you can go to, I think he also runs the Black Alliance for Educational Options. I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's affiliated. Um, for more information, you can go to BAEO.org, B-A-E-O, which stands for Black Alliance for Educational Options.org. So that's really good news. That's really encouraging. And, um, and I think that, I, I just think that this is um, absolutely great. So uh, with that said, I've got um, uh, another uh, piece of good news, and then we'll go to a commercial break and come back with more political headlines. Um, uh, 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 Governor Jindal, uh, you know, from Louisiana, draws thousands to prayer rally, calls for spiritual revival. Uh, Fantastic. Now, I like Bobby Jindal. I have to tell people that. I I think that for the most part, I don't, you know, is he perfect? No, but I think for the most part, I think he's, I think he's really great. Um, However, for those of you who are trying to draft him to run for president, he, he's not eligible for the same reasons Obama wasn't. Now, as much as I like the guy, um, I wouldn't be able to vote for him. So I'm just, I'm putting that out there, but I do like him. Anyway, thousands of Christians gathered at Louisiana State University's basketball arena this past Saturday for the response prayer rally hosted by, you know, Bobby Jindal, who called for a spiritual revival, not politics, to heal America. Amen. Amen. Um, In fact, he was invited to Saturday's Iowa Freedom Summit, which was a list of who's who. I mean, you had everybody from uh, Sarah Palin, who I I, I hear plans on running for office, to, you know, the entrepreneur with the hair. (laughs) We mentioned that on our show many, many times. So it was a who's who of conservatives across the country. Um, Bobby Jindal was invited and uh, and he said no um, because he wanted to do this first. That is, I mean, that is just fantastic. And I would like to see to see to see more of this. Um, so anyway, that was uh, Bobby Jindal. So that you know, there's a little bit of good news. And yeah, um, yeah. I like that. That's a good positive message. And um, we need it needs to be um, it needs to be nationwide. You know, maybe. We can get a groundswell of that going nationwide instead of two plus two equals five math. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. Well, we're going to go to a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with some political headlines that are, well, not so good. We'll be good. right back. No, they're never good. <laughs> <laughs> Do you desire a healthy drink without the sugar rush, nervous jitters, and caffeine addiction? 
which almost all other energy products have that are on the market? Well, Awaken Thunder Energy Drink delivers a bolt of healthy energy fortified with natural ingredients. If you are caffeine sensitive, this drink is 100% caffeine free, organic based, thus putting it in the healthy energy drink realm. This refreshing energy drink comes in two mind-blowing flavors, Tropical Burst and Citrus Rush. In every berry-bursting taste, you get Thunder's powerful, 10-calorie, antioxidant-infused explosion of energy and health benefits. So when you're doing great things, make them greater. Crack open a can of Thunder and take the world by storm. To get more information how you can take the world by storm with Awakened Thunder, visit www.thewakeupmission.com. Wake Up Now does not sponsor our show, nor do they necessarily share our views. You can join Wake Up Now to earn money. We can't guarantee what you will earn as results do vary. Or you can just become a customer and learn more about Wake Up Now. Again, go to thewakeupmission.com. So, Randy, like I said, we have uh, some more political headlines here that um, are not as great, unfortunately. Um, the first one I, 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 I have for us is um, the police stealing guns. Um, oh, so uh, this is this is now I'm gonna I'm gonna read a story here. Okay, imagine that you get into a loud argument in your own home with an adult son. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. though it's been resolved peacefully, the police have been called. Okay? They then confiscate, they come to your home and they confiscate your legal firearms and ammunition valued at $100,000. Even wow. though, Randy, you haven't been convicted, convicted of anything, you have not been well, I charged. Know how that feels. I know you do. I thought you'd be interested in this story. Uh-huh. Now Did here's the kicker. <laughs> well, here's the kicker. No, uh, in the other commie state, New York, uh, oh, the police okay. say they're going to keep your property. Not guilty of anything. No lawsuit. No anything. Uh, but they're going to keep your property. This is exactly what happened to disabled 9/11 ex New York City firefighter Mark Weinstein. Um, so right now he's filed a lawsuit, Weinstein versus Crumpter, et cetera. He filed earlier this month in the U.S. District Court of Eastern New York. Now, this is New York. This is commie state. You cannot rely on your judicial system. I know we keep filing lawsuits, and I'm not saying you don't. Because maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe you'll get a good judge. But for the most part, we have judicial activists. That are not on the side of the republic, exactly. And um, even though that that may be, uh, you know, you don't know who's calling them and pressuring them. Anyway, about a year ago, (laughs) yeah. um, Anyway, on uh, on February twenty fifth, two thousand fourteen, apparently Weinstein did get into a loud dispute with his son over the use of a washing machine in his Baldwin, New York home. 
there was a shouting between them, contends the suit, but no violence, no threats of violence, and no brandishing of weapons. Nonetheless, the elder Weinstein's wife called the police. I bet there's been some arguments between husband and wife since then. Why she called the police, I, I, what was she thinking? That's the last thing you should do, <laughs> really. Exactly, especially if there was no violence, no threat of violence. What was calling the police going to do? Apparently she worse. regrets that. Yeah, apparently she now regrets the decision. But, you know, if you're listening to this show, <laughs> be warned. The police are, uh, look, I'm, I'm hoping we have Sheriff Richard Mack on in the second hour. I want to talk about the militarization of the police, the police today versus the police of yesteryear. Anyway, the suit further states that, because he lives in Nassau County in New York, uh, police arrived, found the home at peace the wife and son and found that the argument had been peacefully resolved. But this didn't stop the cops from asking to see Weinstein's handgun permit. Now, how did they know he had a handgun permit? So what I, I have to... Yeah, exactly. And what are police doing now? Are When they get a call to a home, are they checking records to see if you have registered firearms? Hmm... And and when and when they were there, they demanded he give them his registered weapons. Now Weinstein refused, and the police left. Now you would think that would have been the end of it, but no. Uh, three hours later, the ex-firefighter found himself confronted by five armed officers. Now I have to ask this question: Why? When there was nothing that happened at this home, other than some domestic, you know, dispute that happens in every home, pretty much. I mean, if you have children, there's going to be some sort of argument at some point. We've all been children. We've all been teenagers. Um, Nothing happened. No crimes were committed. Nobody was arrested. So why were five armed officers confronting this ex-firefighter. By the way, this is to note, they had no warrant violating all sorts, fourth, fifth, I mean, ninth, you know, amendments here. They had no warrant. And But when they came to the home, they said that they were going to arrest Weinstein unless he surrendered his firearms and ammunition. Now, uh, in the lawsuit, it says that he complied under duress. So um, this is going to be a very, very interesting case uh, to follow. Um, The lawsuit was filed on December 17th um, in U.S. District Court um, in Rochester. Um, uh, You know, I I don't know what's going to happen. Um, If you want to read more, you can go to American Thinker. You can go to uh, jacksonpress.org, which is – that's the site that my blog was on uh, when I I wrote uh, that one blog. So I don't know. This is kind of scary times. And, you know, I've often said you register your guns, um, you're you're putting yourself at risk. Yeah. They want to confiscate our guns. That is the bottom line. 
That's the bottom line. Now, here's another one. Now, this is on uh, heraldnet.com. Heraldnet.com. This is out of the state of Washington. And we've been reporting on my old home state because of a bill that was passed, and, or I should say an initiative that was passed, and uh, gun owners have really been stepping up in the state of Washington. Um, of course, they've had a couple of rallies where they all open-carried, uh, some of them loaded, you know, loaded guns. Uh, they swapped and sold guns. So they've been very active up there. But uh, a Democrat, it should be no shock, Representative yeah. Ruth Cagey is once again trying to impose consequences on gun owners who fail to keep their firearms out of the reach of children. Under a bill she just introduced yesterday, a person can be charged with child endangerment if they leave a gun in a place where a child can find it. Oh, well, they put your, you know, everybody go put your guns on the roof of your house and hide your ladders. This sounds more like child kidnapping is what she's up to, and th- this witch needs to be thrown out of office and tarred and feathered immediately. Well, what they want, what the, what, here's what the truth of the matter is. If they can't confiscate your guns, they don't want your guns anywhere near you. It should come to the time when, when and, and, and look, the Founding Fathers were very clear on this. They wanted you to have your Second Amendment to protect yourself from government tyranny. Yeah. Period. Here's, here's a quote from George Washington. Um, a free people ought not only to be armed and disciplined, but they should have sufficient arms and ammunition to maintain a status of independence from any who might attempt to abuse them, which would include their own government. Yeah, exa- exactly. So they, if they can't take your guns, they don't want your guns anywhere near you. Look, in, in homes where there are children, responsible gun owners teach their children the do's and the don'ts. You find very right. few, very few, if you go look online, very, 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 very few statistics of children in homes with guns that have some fatal sort of, uh, of tragedy. Not saying it hasn't happened over the years, but very, very rarely. You've got to yeah, remember, you know, like prior in, exactly. Back when my dad's day, when he was growing up, uh, my dad has told me, your parents took you out to go shoot on the gun range when you were a little kid. You know, I mean, it was a way of life. People had guns, and they didn't have a lot of tragedies. No. Had guns so, and gun racks in the pickup truck. Exactly. Uh, here's another one. My friend Kim Dvorak, she's been on the show. Like I've, we, we've talked about her, I think, yesterday because uh, we you know, cited another one of her news stories. Uh, we, we, we've reported this on this show, Operation Choke Point. I remember tweeting it as well. Right. Now she's now here's a little bit uh, of an update. Um, after tossing serious allegations against federal government officials for targeting and destroying businesses which they consider consider morally unacceptable, the U.S. Consumer Coalition was vindicated by a congressional report released last month. The Subcommittee on Economic Growth, Job Creation, and Regulatory Affairs report confirmed the executive branch. 
By the way of the FDIC and with the blessings of the DOJ, use personal moral values to decide the fate of legal businesses across the country. The new report confirms that the Obama administration program is a clear abuse of government power. It also suggests that the Obama administration officials have deliberately misled Congress in an effort to hide the true nature of the program, a U.S. Consumer Coalition statement said. The evidence collected from the FDIC shows that despite the administration's claims to the contrary, legal industries are being targeted by federal regulators. What have we been saying on this show? We've been telling you. We've been trying to tell you about government tyranny. It goes on to write that the administration is unilaterally branding businesses as high risk and intimidating banks into cutting them off from the financial system without due process. Remember, this happened when we, when we reported on this, Randy. If you remember correctly, it was a legal ammunition and gun store that uh, right. went into their bank and remember that uh, the report makes clear that the administration is attempting to single-handedly regulate industries out of existence without a legal public or legislative process now if that's that not frightening in, tyranny i don't know what is that was in new york wasn't it the gun store owner yes Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, um, they're trying to do that. You know what they did in Washington State? Now they're trying to do that in Oregon, too. So the whole West Coast yeah. is going to be uh, unarmed except for the criminals and and um, the other criminals in suits and the criminals with badges. Exactly. Uh, like we've been saying uh, on this show, um <laughs> You know, they want you unarmed, and they're doing everything in their power to make sure that you are. Remember, if you can't bank, you can't be in business. It's almost nearly impossible, and they know that. This is your own government, and now there's now there is the consumer – now there is a committee that is proving it with evidence. A part of your own government is, is, is proving this. So don't yeah, take it are- from us. You know, there there's hearings going on about this. Yeah, and these people are unelected. Uh, they're accountable to no one, and they should all be hung. And if you don't think your government is intimidating you, get this one. Uh, here's the headline. This came out today. Uh, you can find it on WND.com. Uh, here's the title. Obama intimidating the Gonzi witness into silence. Oh, somebody else is have an accident. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Obama administration has been using General David Patras legal's predicament over an extramarital affair to keep him on a leash, quote-unquote, and prevent him from providing devastating testimony on Baganzi, charges Representative Louis Gohmert, a Republican from Texas. Uh, he goes on to say, we're not even getting to the people that really have the most direct information, Gomert said in a radio interview Sunday, uh, this past Sunday. Have you not wondered about uh, Patriots being so silent all the time? 
uh, uh, he, if you don't know, Patriots, of course, was the director of the CIA at the time of the terrorist attack in Baghazi, uh, which was September 11, 2012. The retired four-star general resigned two months later, citing an extramarital affair reportedly discovered through an FBI investigation. Uh, you know, I want to say this. Barely anybody up there in Capitol Hill uh, has some sort of sinful uh, lifestyle. All of them do, pretty much. I don't want to say all of them. A lot of them. So I find it interesting that the pot is calling the kettle black here in this story. Um, There's a lot of skeletons in Obama's closet. But this is what they do. When you want to know why you see government officials like politicians that go into office one way and all of a sudden you say they're changed, if you heard Thursday's show, if you're listening to this report now, well, there are things that they do. Sometimes they put people in predicaments, take photos, and then bribe them later on. This is happening all the time. This is politics, Mm -hmm. and it's dirty politics. Investigations by the FBI and Justice Department have alleged Patriots leaked classified documents to his mistress, prompting a recommendation felony charge be brought against him. Uh, please, he's not the only one up there. A felony for doing what? Uh, I, I guess apparently for sharing all this with his mistress. Uh, trust oh. me, there's a lot more that being shared. I know, Exactly. But he's being silenced. You know, there's more to this. Uh, The administration knows, uh, this is, again, Gohmert saying this. I'm just going to end with his final statements. The administration knows that General Patriots has information that would virtually destroy any credibility that the administration might still have nationally and internationally. So what else would this administration do but leave over Uh, his head to over a year and a half, the threat, we're going to prosecute you, so you better keep your mouth shut. He added, again, Gobert from Texas added, that's where we are now in America. It may have been the kind of administration Richard Nixon dreamed of, but he knew he would never get there. Well, we're there today. today. The dude's dude's going down anyway, so he may as well go out in a blaze of glory. (laughs) Take all of that bastard's I would, too. I would be on every major news outlet on the planet knowing that as soon as I left the studio, you know, there's, you know, there's, a, you know, a bullet to the back of the head waiting. Why I think not? a lot of people are going to have to start, uh, you know, opening up, uh, opening up their mouths uh, and being yeah. whistleblowers. And if you've done something that you regret, that's just too bad. You have a whole country. It's not just about you. You can't be selfish any longer. We're lost, our country. This is not America. Well, it's America no. with a K now. It's America yeah. with a K. Um, you know, uh, there is a little bit. I wanted to, you know, since we're talking about the Gonzi and I just thought of American Sniper, a uh, great movie. Again, if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to go see it. I want to go see it again. That's how good it is. Um, it's the highest grossing film for Clint Eastwood of all time, who's had a great career. I think most all of his films have been box office hits, 
Yeah. This is actually his his biggest one, breaking all sorts of records. And, you know, I said on the show yesterday, I talked about my experience seeing it over the weekend. And what did I say? I said I left that movie theater more angry with the New World Order, just hating them more than I already do. And I confirmed I would never vote Republican or Democrat again after what I saw in that movie. Well, uh, I'm in good company. Uh, somebody posted a uh, Chuck Baldwin, who's been a friend of the show, been on our show. Uh, he wrote about American Sniper. He also went to go see it, and he had the same experience I did. He left the he left the movie theater feeling the exact same way I did. Um, so I I wanted to just say you can read Chuck Baldwin's account of it. Go to Chuck Baldwin, you know, just Google, and uh, he wrote about that and said the same thing I did. So you've got to go see that movie. Really, Randy, I mean, just go take a couple of hours of your day, go find a good matinee where it's only, you know, half of what it normally is. You really got to go see that. I mean, I, I I have not felt this way about a movie in, in some years. I think the last movie that had this kind of effect on me was Schindler's List. And that was, you know, that was ages ago. So yeah. uh, really, 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 really good movie. Well, uh, this move, this this news may make you want to go see American Sniper for for a whole other reason. Why are you doing uh, this to me? What did I do to you? <laughs> uh, and this is an exclusive out of out of California. What a shock! Uh, as we reported on this show some time ago, uh, California, and trust me, it's going to come to your state. California, the first state that is giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens. Oh, North Carolina beat California to the punch on that. Oh uh, well, well, well. Yeah, it's going to be everywhere in the U.S. I mean, you know, uh, except for maybe Texas and Idaho. Um, and of course, Oregon. The voters passed it down. Now we passed it. We, we in California didn't vote for this either. Remember, we voted no. But we have got to the point where we have a communist uh, a house uh, uh, up here, a house in, in state senate. They're commies up there. So they yeah, went against back. the will of the people, and they put this bill in. You know, they knew that Jerry Brown, you know, traitor to America, would sign it. Uh, but anyway, illegal aliens may join a free pass on identity theft due to a new investigative policy at California's DMV. The policy issued last year and effective as of January 1st directs DMV investigators to overlook any identity theft by the applicants. So somebody can go in with my ID, Randy, could say, Shalene Nightingale, I am a California taxpaying citizen, but somebody could go in with, you know, some sort of identity theft with my information, and who cares? The DMV doesn't. So, see, these illegal aliens get to commit all sorts of crimes. Not only did they illegally trespass into this country, which is something that you can't do in Mexico, you'll land in jail or you'll, land, oh, you'll be dead. Just look at what they did to Sergeant Talamahasi, or however you say his name. Tamarisi. And I don't mean it. Thank you, Tamarisi. And I didn't mean any disrespect. Uh, you just know how I get when I get hired. Um, you know, a perfect example. Look what they do to people from Central America. You yeah. can't go to any country in this world illegally without any consequences, only in America. So they break U.S. law, 
And and now they now they can do identity theft, which is one of the hottest white collar crimes in America, and that's okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> years ago um, there was this gal. She was on, the, and I hate giving these guys credit because I I do not like them um, for personal reasons. John and Ken. Um, she had her identity stolen. She lived like somewhere, I think, in Washington State or Montana, somewhere like in the northern, the northern western part of the country. There were 81 different illegal aliens that were using her social security number to work, and she had no idea until all of a sudden she got a letter from the, the Internal Revenue Service about all these taxes that she supposedly owed, and. And they, it was like a complete nightmare for this woman. She was just one of thousands upon thousands of people that this happened to, right? Well, there was a law or, or the ruling came down saying, well, they didn't knowingly and maliciously intend to uh, cause financial harm to this person. So uh, nothing's going to happen to them for doing this. And I'm like, you got to be freaking kidding me. And now, uh, and here we go, California's doubling down on it. I've been a victim of identity theft, and it's not pretty. Um, it no. happened to me uh, back when I was getting married, actually. Um, and I had gone to, before I got married, I was on a business trip in Florida and where I rented a car. Uh, whoever was working there uh, stole my identity. And, you know, I I got lucky in the fact that none of my credit card companies, nobody made me pay anything back. I mean, I was one of the lucky ones. But yeah. I do remember the uh, the investigator, the police, you know, the the, the 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 investigator on the case said to me, uh, "We'll never find who this is." You know, they always get away. You know, they get away with this. He didn't say always. I should take that back. He said they mostly get away with it, and that it's, it's the hardest uh, crime to resolve. Well, you've got all these illegal aliens that are coming in. You could resolve a lot of cases, but uh, our own state is letting you break the law even more. I mean, it's just, I, I, I don't know. I, just, ah! <laughs> yeah. Did you see a spider? No! <laughs> I'm angry. I'm outraged. Oh, yeah, I got you. Now, now, this is the hypocrisy of it. You go out and do identity theft and see what happens to you. Oh yeah, exactly. If, if you're exactly. an American, a legal, natural-born American citizen, um, these laws do apply to you. They don't apply to illegal aliens um, or the politicians. You know, there's two sets of rules in this country. Um, yeah. One for the us surf? and one for them. Yeah. We're the serfs. The illegal aliens are only getting special treatment because they have an agenda. They yeah. want to collapse America. They want to turn America into a communist, godless country. We talked about right. this on Thursday. They want to merge Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. It's an agenda. So they're yeah, getting preferential treatment Union. right now. Eventually, all you illegal aliens who are so smug right now, believe you me, you're going to join the serfs sometime soon. You're going and to be you are, you, you are idiots, really. For going and getting your driver's licenses, you think it's all cool and all that? Oh, just you wait. Now they know where you are. Right. Yeah. You know, you I can't that. believe you Sign guys up think for a you. Bozo yeah. Care. <laughs> exactly. You are just really in for it. What goes around yep. comes around. Um, I don't know right. if this is good news or bad news, but I, I'm going to report on it. 
I usually don't like the word secretive when it comes to our politicians, okay? Well, that's but part of the I'm, job description. <laughs> yeah, apparently. But I'm thinking that maybe they have to eat in secret to protect themselves. But I'm just going to read it. Uh, this came out yesterday uh, after I was on the show. I read it <laughs> off the show. Uh, members of the newly formed staunchly conservative House Freedom Caucus, which just announced its nine founding members, are already claiming credit for blocking an immigration bill that had been scheduled for for action this week. The communications were made to the House leadership by our Freedom Caucus last week, and all of the sudden this week you see the bill has been delayed, said Representative Mo Brooks, a Republican from Alabama. Um, the group is clearly considerably larger than nine, and it includes many outspoken critics of Boner. <laughs> sorry, I can't give him any. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> she said. I do, too. Um, anyway, Brooks and other members mocked GOP leadership's explanation that the delay was due to inclement weather. What about the weather? We're voting on legislation today and tomorrow, Brooks said, adding that the Freedom Caucus unanimously decided against supporting the bill unless the Senate had first voted on a spending bill that would defund President Obama's executive amnesty. The Alabama Republican would not say how many members are participating, but others privately said it was close to 40, giving the group the ability to block many bills from passages if it can stay unified. So we'll see if this ends up being a a good or bad. I'm hoping that it's good. But how sad is that? How sad is it that it's come to this time when people who who are trying to really represent the people that may mostly be on our side have to hide in secret and work together in secret now? Because our government, what I'm what we're saying to you, it's been overtaken. Now they're not our government. They're not our government. It's a shadow government now, and you better get accustomed to that fact. Right. Well, anyway. Uh, we're gonna go to we're gonna go to break. I still don't see um, Sheriff Richard Mack on the board. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, Randy, why don't you try calling him? I'm gonna take a long commercial break. We'll be right back after after these messages. Okay. Stay tuned for the second half of the Wake Up Mission Show. So for me, living a better life means uh, making better choices. This is awesome. I have money in my account, and it's exciting. Now I'm, like, working on these different credit cards. Like, how many more can we knock down? Okay, we knocked this one out this month, and this one next month. Oh, we can probably get this other one in the next two months. You can benefit from learning the skills of managing your finances, using the tools that we, we provide, and working together to help everyone get themselves in a stronger financial position. The whole idea of this is that we're going to help you know, guide you to make better choices, better choices with your health, better choices financially. You can't do one without the other. There's too many people who make a lot of money at the expense of their physical health. And so that's the thing I love about Wake Up Now is the balance between helping you to become physically fit 
and financially fit at the same time so that you have both, which is going to bring the peace. And if you can't get your health and your wealth in line, you're not going to be able to do what you want to do for the rest of your life. Anybody can be successful with Wake Up Now. It doesn't matter if you're older, younger, it uh, doesn't matter where you come from, your socioeconomic background, everybody has a chance to succeed with Wake Up Now. Even if you're not interested in bringing someone into the business, into the, the compensation plan, if you're just utilizing the products, you can become profitable. I've put in, in place the financial principles that we, we teach, use the tools that we have to improve my financial situation, and what it does is it empowers you as an individual. It gives you hope.
Are you a small business, a 1099 contractor, or just looking for more ways to turn expenses into deductions? TaxBot offers you a way to keep track of your receipts instantly. Use GPS to track your mileage and link your bank accounts and credit cards to allow TaxBot to look for deductions you may have missed. To get more information on TaxBot, visit www.thewakeupmission.com. Welcome back to the Wake Up Mission Show. Hey, we're really glad to share if Richard Mack is with us. If you heard at the beginning of the show, uh, my friend had uh, an emergency, a medical emergency, and we are glad that he's okay. For those of you who may not know, he's a retired sheriff. He's the founder of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, and he established the County Sheriff Project Movement. He's the former sheriff of Graham County, Arizona, and a two-time U.S. congressional candidate. Um, I absolutely adore this man. I think he's done quite a bit for Liberty uh, and his wife, his, his family. They're just lovely. They're supportive of what he has done. Um, and we are also going to talk about something else, how he sued the federal government and won uh, with us. And I'm happy he is with us, uh, my friend, Sheriff Richard Mack. Uh, Richard <laughs> Mack, I am really yes. upset with you. I, I, you know, I was saying on this show that if you weren't going to come on, my heart was going to go to my stomach. I just read the news today. You did? How are you feeling? How are you feeling? Uh, well, um, I had a major heart attack uh, yes, uh, two I've weeks read. ago. Just two uh, weeks ago. And I'm doing okay. uh, I'm doing a lot better, of course, than that day, but... Uh, uh, there's no way I'm I'm uh, close to being normal. I'm I'm uh, improving a little bit day by day. I went to uh, my cardiologist visit today with my son Jimmy, and and I feel very encouraged about the path he's taken me because he's not only a cardiologist, he's also a naturopath. Oh, good. And I know how you and I we're both on the same page on that one. Will you let me know if you get tired at any time during this show and you need to go? You just let me know. Um, you hear me? Uh, I don't think I could ever get tired of talking with you, Shaleen. <laughs> okay, well, I told you. How's Dawn? How's Dawn doing? Well, she actually uh, went to Safford, where, I, where I'm where i from and where I used to be sheriff. We live in Gilbert, Arizona, which is uh-huh. the Mesa, Phoenix area. And uh, so she uh, she had a dental appointment there with a, a friend of mine I went to high school with, and um, he's a real good dentist, and so she just uh, could not uh, postpone that again, and so she went there, and I went to my cardiologist visit, uh, like I say, with my son, and so we killed two birds with one stone today, and um, we're uh, she's doing fine. Uh, of course, she was uh, scared to death, like I was. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm 62, and uh, I've always taken pretty good care of myself, but. All the traveling I've been doing, and uh, just uh, a, a different, uh, a different meal, a different uh, cold atmosphere, uh, not being able to keep up with my workouts, and and uh, you know eating whatever food is is put in front of me, whoever picked me up at the airport, right? You know, it it, it it's taken its toll over the last six years that I've been doing this, and and so uh, you know I need to make some changes with that, and. Uh, but I'm uh, I'm grateful to be alive, and it was a yeah, real miracle amen. because 
if I had if I had had this heart attack while I was on a plane, then um, you would be talking about my funeral instead of my recovery. Oh God, please! I don't. I wouldn't want. I mean, obviously, I would honor you. You know this, but I I, I don't want to see that day happen. I've always no. known you to be very healthy. But another thing we were talking about at the beginning of the show, uh, politics in itself is very stressful. It's <laughs> and here yeah. you've been defending for liberty as we've seen us turn into an oligarchy, and I don't think that that helps. And you've been a great defender of our liberty. And for those who, who, I mean, I don't know how people don't know you, but for those who may not know you, uh, you were a, first. You started as a police officer. Yes. Uh, tell, uh, tell, uh, tell a little bit about that story, because I like, I love well, that story, especially when you give it in presentations uh, <laughs> about the day you decided to quit. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, I wanted to be an FBI, and I had gone to school to become an FBI agent. My father was a retired FBI, and uh, I'm so grateful, uh, looking back, that uh, that never worked out. Um, And while I was waiting to hear from the FBI, I had uh, graduated from Brigham Young University, and I hired on full-time with the Provo Police Department, and um, I just stayed there because... uh, there was one test or another. You have to take so many different tests before uh, even being able to get a oral interview with the FBI. And each time, uh, you know, I would just not quite do well enough on a test. It, it, you know, I passed them, but you have to get in the really the top 10% of all the applicants mm-hmm. to, to make it. And uh-huh. it just never worked out. So I stayed with Provo PD, and I, I did everything there that – is imaginable in law enforcement. Uh, you know, anything from a bicycle theft to murder, uh, I investigated them, gotten very involved. I was the school resource officer. I was a child crime specialist, especially when it comes to sex crimes against children and child mm-hmm. abuse. I became a specialist in that area. But I will tell you, I got a lot of scars with that. To see what parents did to their own children mm. really, really got to me. And uh, I'm glad I didn't uh, have to work that detail more than the three or four years that I did. It was it was yeah. pretty rough. And, and then I worked undercover too, and I was a completely undercover. Uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like Starsky and Hutch where they did situational undercover. I was totally undercover. I had a new name. Uh, I lived at a different place. Couldn't go home very often. Couldn't be seen in public with my wife and children. And it was one of the hardest times for uh, Don and me uh, during our entire marriage, you know, because I it it was before cell phones and I couldn't call her. She never knew where mm. I was. All she knew is I was out there with drug addicts, ex-cons, and and uh, people who you know you would never want to be around. And uh, so it was really hard for her. It was a lot of stress. And then she was a single mother for seven or eight months. And um, I'm glad I did it in retrospect, but because uh, of the great education it was and and the social economic uh, culture that exists and the subculture mm-hmm. and drug culture that exists, well, I learned all about it. I mean, I lived in it. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I was um, assigned back to patrol for a little bit. And you know, if you're on patrol, what do you do? Well, you write tickets, and that's right. what we were told to do when we were told to write tickets and uh, there was no quota even though that police department uh, provo police department went to quotas later on which i find absolutely 
uh, deplorable and despicable and conflict of interest, uh, they're wrong. And in some places, uh, in some states, uh, uh, quotas, ticket quotas are against the law, and they should be. They well, very well should be. Well, and, now here in uh, California, it's interesting because it's, you know, towards the end of the month, and I had a drive over the weekend, and there were highway patrol, I mean, just, I mean, rampant. You, it was like every other mile. And yeah. all they were doing was pulling people over, and I knew. I was like, okay, end of the month, it's quota time. Yeah, quota it time. is. And, 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 but it was really the result was still the same at Provo PD, and, and there were good people there. Let me, I will reiterate that. The chief of police was a good, honest man. Uh, my supervisors were good, honest people. But they were, they were brainwashed into the mainstream law enforcement that enforcing all laws has some high ground morality to it. And uh, I believe in just the opposite now. Enforcing yeah. laws that are uh, against the Constitution or that make people subjects and treat people as chattel, uh, those are wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. Whether you have a legislative body that supports it or not, those are wrong. And the enforcement of stupid laws is the essence of tyranny. And yes. that's exactly what most uh, police officers participate in that horrible process and so i'm trying to wake them up to that but well the thing i want to really... talk about that i want to talk about that for a second um mm -hmm. and then i want to get to the traffic stop that changed your life really okay, uh, okay. but we are seeing uh well i had you know our friend chuck baldwin on the show we talked a little bit about this as well you were seeing a militarization of our police and, Richard, you know me. I mean, you know, I had your endorsement. I had Sheriff Joe's endorsement. I'm I'm a military brat. You know, I really have great respect for those, you know, men and women in uniform. But it's not the same PD as when I was young and growing up. You know, if you did something wrong and they knew you and they knew your family, okay, come on, you know, let's go home, don't do this again. You know, now we just reported before you were on the show a case in New York where uh, an ex-firefighter, 9-11 firefighter, by the way, 9-11, New York, he got into a, you know, apparently some heated discussion with his adult son over a washing machine in their house. The wife, for whatever reason, decided to call PD, which she regrets now. Uh, the police went into that home. Obviously, they looked up to see if there were any firearms in this home. They went. They wanted to confiscate his guns. There was no – he broke no laws. Nobody was arrested. He said, no, I will not turn anything over. Uh, couple, uh, three hours later, uh, five armed police, Richard, five armed police show up at his home without a warrant and said, if you don't turn over your, you know, all of your firearms um, and we're going to keep them, uh, we're going to arrest you. And so under duress, he complied. What do you have to say? Because, you know, we have a lot of people, especially, as you know, in the conservative community, are like, no, there's no militarization of police. You know, we're supposed to honor them and whatever the laws are. I, I'm sorry. I, no, I see a militarization of the police. What do you say? Yeah. What is your comment on yeah. that? Yeah, there is. There's no question that uh, there is. And, you know, if you look at the structure within the police department, 
you know, it's sergeants and captains and corporals and lieutenants and majors and chiefs, and it's a yes, sir, no, sir. Uh, it's very para- paramilitary, and it's a very uh, uh, existence. It's it's uh, it's organization is paramilitary, mm-hmm. and yeah. I don't I don't begrudge that. I'm just telling the truth. I'm just telling you what it is. And you go to police academies and you learn how to follow orders. That's what you are taught in police academies and officer safety tactics. And that becomes paramount to every officer that you go home at night. And uh, I'm a little bit perplexed by that attitude because I believe there's a lot worse things than going home at night. You can commit all sorts of atrocities and still go home and the atrocities are still there. Right. And I will say I will say this though. I believe because of technology, especially cell phones, that we're seeing a lot more of the abuse now than when you and I were growing up. Yes. And uh, because I believe that there was still the abuse but it was never captured on uh video. You know, yeah. cell phones and cameras and security cameras are everywhere nowadays. And so yes. I, I don't believe that it's changed that much. I do believe the mentality is getting worse. And a lot of that I direct uh, give uh, direct uh, blame to the drug war. The drug war has been used to foment so many abuses in this country. And it's almost this whole thing is, well, as long as we're saving somebody from drugs and as long as we're putting somebody in jail that does drugs or uh, distributes drugs, then it's okay what we do. And case in point is asset forfeiture laws, that we take money away from people and then they have to prove how they got it. And mm-hmm. even <clears throat> even without finding any culpability in a court of law, uh, these people have to prove how they got cash. And almost using cash now is against the law, even though yes. – the, the money itself says legal tender for all private and public debt. But if you try to use a lot of money to go buy a car or anything else, uh, then they have to report that. Uh, banks have to report it if you use $3,000 cash at any time. You get reported to the IRS just for using cash in transactions uh, that are very innocent. But nevertheless, our government is going to watch you. So the abuse and the size of government and the mentality of government is one that – they believe that we belong to them, that we are subjects to them, and that uh, they can do whatever they want. And that's where the CSPOA comes in and the sheriffs come in and local officials come in. We have to stop that, and we have to stop it county by county and state by state. There is no solution in Washington, D.C., no, there isn't. And you know what's interesting that you're talking about the drug wars, and you know it's very libertarian to say let's just legalize drugs. Um, and, you know, and it, it, it's, it's a bit hypocritical of our own government, which there are reports of, you know, George Bush when he was head of CIA dropping drugs into Watts. There's uh, the Silver or Lead, the documentary by Rusty uh, that, you know, shows our government involved with the drug cartel. Of course, more recently, there was the Gunwalker scandal with, you know, our alleged attorney general uh, giving guns to the drug cartel, uh, you know, down in Mexico. So what is your position on, you know, what a solution for the drug wars? 
Um, Do we legalize it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've said legalize it or d- at least decriminalize it, and mm-hmm. and I'll tell you why. <clears throat> we in law enforcement need to be uh, a little bit more unf- upfront with the citizens who pay for all this, because every year we say, oh, well, if you just give us more manpower and if you just give us more money, then we're going to make this drug problem really go away. We're going to really have an impact. That's an absolute lie. Now they're not maybe intentionally lying. But it is nevertheless untrue. It's just simply not true. We have never stopped anybody from using drugs in this country. We have not stopped right. high school kids. You can get any kind of drug you want in any high school in America. Any of them. Yes. And that's a real sad commentary. And I'm not blaming the schools. I'm blaming our culture. And yes. we are the most drug-addicted nation in the world. We use 60%, 60% of the world's illicit drugs. And we have a real problem here, and what I do know is that we are never going to arrest away the drug problem. So we have to be honest enough that first to admit that the drug war has failed and failed miserably. All we've done is what I call the three Ps. Drugs are more potent, profitable, and prevalent. Yes. And, and, And so... Uh, that's all we've done with this drug war. We have to admit that our laws against them have created the black market, and uh, otherwise we have done nothing uh, except uh, make the problem worse. And so, if we, I... if we do not ta- if we do not get a hold of that, and then all of us, people like you, people like me, getting together with local officials, churches, schools, local leaders, and law enforcement, and people from the community and say, now, let's go back to the drawing board. What can we really do to affect positive change with drug abuse in our area? I agree with you. And what's really interesting, I've changed on this position. I mean, you know I'm a Christian. Oh, I have too. Um, and, you know, and you are too. And in the beginning, I was like, no, we can't legalize drugs because everybody would be using. But you just nailed it. And over the years, I've realized it with our own government involved in the drug scandals anyway um you know if you look at amsterdam as as a case for legalizing it but a lot of christians still have an issue with it saying that it will make our society more immoral uh any thoughts no on that? you know what you know do, do you know of anybody and do any of those uh christian people know of anybody who wants to use drugs right now who isn't right. i don't know anybody right. right the reason why you don't use drugs and the reason why I don't use drugs is because I believe it's harmful and because I believe it's immoral. Right. Otherwise, otherwise, everybody else, even some people who share that belief that it's wrong, still do it because they have uh, a proclivity to addiction. But right. I also believe I, – I don't believe in smoking, and I don't believe in drinking, and I don't do right. either one. But I don't right. have a right to tell my neighbor they can't do it or force my neighbor <laughs> right. not to do it. And right. more people die because of alcohol and tobacco than all the other illicit drugs put together. All exactly. of them doesn't even come exactly. close. So why don't we go back to prohibition and make alcohol illegal again? And because <laughs> we saw that we turned our streets into blood and the wars that we caused within our streets in America – uh, uh, trying to stop people from drinking 
uh, right, with you. right. It failed. Prohibition failed exactly. So now I want to go back to the traffic stop that changed mm-hmm. you, and thank okay. God. Because we ended up getting the Richard Mack that would go fight the federal government later on. Well, well, that's who really did it, too. You know, you say, uh, thank God. Well, I do, because uh, he hit me over the head with a two-by-four when I stopped the lady (laughs) to give give her a a ticket. And, you know, this this lady – I say this lady changed my life forever, but it was really the good Lord. And and I'm really so grateful uh, for this incident, but – <clears throat> this occurred in Provo, uh, and I, like I said, right after my undercover assignment. I was back writing tickets, and it was a beautiful uh, fall day, and I was parked at the intersection of 600 West, 300 South, and the Franklin Elementary School is just to the west of me, and I'm I'm parked just, if you can picture this, I'm parked right in front of the stop sign just south of the intersection, a four-way stop, and I'm facing north. And I'm in a patrol car. It has lights and uh, everything, just like any other police unit does. And so uh, right in front of me, this lady runs a stop sign. (laughs) And I go, what in the world is this lady thinking? I'm right here in broad daylight in a police cruiser. And I look inside the car, and I surmised very quickly why she ran it, because her kids, she had about four or five kids in the car, and they were all giving her a bunch of trouble. Some of them were fighting, and it just looked like the Tasmanian devil. Uh, you know, all just all these hands and feet and kids and whirly derby inside the car, and this mom reaching back in the back seat trying to calm everybody down. And she looked up and real. She looked up, and she lost her place where she was on the road, looked up, and she saw me, and she threw her arms up in the air as if to say, what else could go wrong today? <laughs> and she immediately, I understand those moments as a mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she immediately pulled over. She didn't even wait for me to turn on my red and blue lights. She just tur- pulled over, and uh, I got in behind her. And I was walking up to her, and she had her license and registration out the window already with this look of guilt all over her face, but a look of also of a woman that had had it for that day. And she never said a word to me, and I just started writing the ticket. Mm-hmm. And uh, right before I signed the ticket, I stopped, I paused, and I kind of collected myself for a moment, and... I looked at this cruddy old car that wasn't worth $250. It was like an uh-huh. old Datsun station wagon, and I mean old. And it had primer gray showing through and bald tires. And I looked at her uh, snotty-nosed kids, who were a couple of them were still acting up quite a bit, but she wasn't paying any attention to them at all. Uh-huh. And she was just staring. She was just staring right through the windshield, forgetting about everything, ignoring me, ignoring life, ignoring her children. And when I looked at her, I saw this dejected, depressed woman. And I stopped for a moment and I looked at me. Mm -hmm. And I asked myself a few questions. I said, what are you doing here? What is it that you're doing here that's helping this family? 
that's making, that make, that's making this town a better place to live. And are you doing anything to help this woman and her children? Or are you just going to gouge her? Uh, oh. And and so I felt I felt really bad, and I felt so ashamed uh, that I had lost my compassion, and I lost a, a sense of humanity. You see, a real public servant would have said, "Ma'am, look, I know no harm, no foul. I know you didn't mean to do this, but in the future, when your kids are acting up, just pull over." And I said, "If they need to get some energy." out of their system. Look, there's a school right there. Go over uh-huh. and play on the playground with them for 15 minutes. Get back in the car and head to your location where you're going. Uh-huh. And that that would have been a true peace officer. Instead, yes. I'm a revenue agent collecting the taxes and writing those tickets. And so I walked away with the ticket. I never said anything to her got in my Mm. police cruiser, and drove back to the police station, which was nearby. And I tore up the ticket, and I said said to myself, you got to start over here. You need to find out why you're a cop, why we need government doing this, and what it's really all about. If you're going to continue in this career, you need to find out why you're doing this and what it's all for. And so... Uh, the next day I came back to work, and I was looking around, and I I was searching for something, but I didn't know what I, what I was searching for. I was searching for some answers, but I still didn't know what those answers were or where to look. But I walked around the city center, and I walked in the city clerk's office for some reason, and she goes, um, Officer Mack, can I help you? Because I was just standing there. <laughs> and she and I don't know why to this day, Shaleen, that I said this to her, but I said, when I took my job here, did I take an oath of office? And Shaleen, I don't know why I said that, because the oath of office was something we never talked about. It was never a source of conversation in my life, ever. But I said it, and uh, she said, yeah, you did. Uh, You signed it. And I go, I signed it? And while I'm sitting there kind of (laughs) contemplating that, uh, she handed me a copy. She made a copy and handed it to me, and I, I sure did. I signed it. It was dated the the very day I started my police career there at Provo, uh-huh. and I promised in God's name that I would uphold, defend, protect, and obey the United States Constitution and the Constitution of the State of Utah, two documents that I had never read in my entire life. And I asked myself, just how do you think you're going to keep an oath to something you've never read or studied or looked at? So I said, I'm going to go quit my job. I'm not going to keep a job where I'm a liar and a hypocrite. I have not kept this oath. And uh, I left the office taking off my gun belt and my badge to leave in the chief's office, and I'm leaving right then. That's how bad I felt about it. I thought this was the answer. I've got to leave. I can't do this anymore. And then in the the lobby between the city center side and the police department side, I paused again, and I imagined having this conversation with my wife that (laughs) I just quit my job. You know, I'm going home. In 10 minutes, I'm going to be home with no job. And so my wife says, so let me get this straight, Mac. Um, You quit your job today because you will no longer,
longer be a liar and a hypocrite. You won't be in a job that makes you a liar and a hypocrite. I said, yeah, that's right, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll get another job, I'll do whatever we can. So she says, we can't pay, and we can't pay the car payment or house payment and get the kids new school clothes, all because you're a liar and a hypocrite. <laughs> that's probably a good perspective. She goes, let me ask you something. Could you consider for me quit being a liar and a hypocrite and keep your job? And I said, wow, repentance, of course. Uh-huh. Thank the good Lord for a good wife who wasn't even there at the time, but she be- has become part of my conscience over the years like you ladies do. And, <laughs> well, and uh, anyway. I decided to <laughs> keep my job and start studying and knowing and learning the foundation of America and studying our foundational documents and that I would never be on the wrong side again. Amen. Amen. And then we're going to fast forward. Obviously, we were in interest of time. I want to ask you a question. Uh, you know, I have friends that are on both sides of the Second Amendment issue. You know what side yeah. I'm on. Of course. We all keep our guns. Yeah. But there are people on the other side. I have friends on the other side who are like, oh, no, I, you know, times are different than when the founding fathers were here and – you know, you know. I think the people don't need, you know, machine guns, um, et cetera. So I think that there should be some regulation. I would like for you to talk about the Second Amendment and why it's so important that even today, in modern times, it's still relevant. Well, I'll tell your friends that feel that way because I've I've told my own. Um, the propaganda that they're buying into and the brainwashing they're buying into from the media and the gun grabbers uh, who support Hitleric policies. Adolf Hitler was a gun control fanatic. He was really good at it, and he was fanatic about getting guns away from common ordinary people. He was very successful at it as well. Why is it that your friends would support policies that were perfected by this heathen, murderous, genocidal maniac? Mm -hmm. That's one question you would like to ask them. The second point is gun control in America, whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not, or whether your friends like it or not, and their opinions as to what kind of guns we need and don't need, is absolutely meaningless and mindless. Gun control in America is against the law. That's what the founders intended. When government places themselves in a position to tell me what kind of gun I own, how many guns I own, what kind of ammunition I can own, how much ammunition I can own, it places them in authority in a position that the law specifically and expressly prohibits. The Second Amendment was written specifically for government to stay out of the way of the people to keep and bear arms. Again, whether you like it or whether you love it or whether you don't have an opinion at all, your opinion does not matter, nor does mine. What matters is the intent of the founders who wrote the law, and if you study that, you'll come to the inescapable conclusion. What I just said is true. Gun control in America is against the law. We should not have background checks. 
We should not have waiting periods. We should not have any type of government that interferes in any way with my right to own the gun of my choice. And the reason is, is because my gun ownership and that of my neighbors is the ultimate protective protective measure for liberty in America. Whether you like it or not, that's too bad. And you can get into all the statistical analysis that you want about gun ownership and where guns are prevalent, uh, uh, that crime is at its lowest, and where gun control is really heavy duty. That's where crime is the worst. Doesn't matter. Gun control is against the law here. Period. In the story. Well, a lot of people will talk about uh, the the background checks and how it's necessity so that guns don't get in the hands of the mentally ill. Well, that, um, I've heard uh, that argument to be a big quite failure a bit. There too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's many cases of that, but. Um, you know, they'll, they'll cite that. They'll cite that, uh, that today it's a lot different than when the founders originally signed it. And I've even well, had people historically say to speaking, me, historically yeah. speaking, they're out to lunch there because tyranny uh, and the oligarchy you, you talked about earlier at yeah. the beginning is worse now than it was yeah. then. Yes. And just because the weaponry has become more sophisticated or, or our skyscrapers have gotten bigger – that doesn't change the principle that the Founding Fathers were there protecting within the Second Amendment. We, the people, are in charge of this government. Government is not in charge of us. We are in charge of them. We don't need their permission to exist. They need our permission to exist. And the Founders left this principle there so that whenever government becomes destructive of these ends, quoting the Declaration of Independence, it is our duty and our obligation to throw off such government and establish new guards. We would never be able to do that if we were disarmed. Which is what they're working on. And we were citing on this show, you know, cases in Washington State, a new case coming up, you know, new, new bills and initiatives in Oregon. Of course, Bill Gates led the charge in Washington State um, with an in- initiative there that passed uh, unfortunately, due to the propaganda, but you're seeing this all across the country. You know, I live in California, one of the most tyrannical states in the Union, and they certainly, yep. of course, don't want us to have our guns either. Um, so, so with that said, that was a case you took, the Second Amendment, mm-hmm. uh, against the Clinton administration, and won. Yeah, Tell pretty miraculous. That. Uh, pretty miraculous. Uh, if you consider in American history how many times a sitting sheriff has actually sued the federal government and won a case at the United States Supreme Court, this is the only time in history that's ever happened. And we actually altered history. Uh, we uh, stopped some gun control laws known as Brady Bills 2, 3, 4, and 5. We uh, gutted part of uh, Brady Bill 1. Uh, but the Supreme Court uh, would not rule the background checks to be unconstitutional. Uh, those, the background check pursuant to the Brady Bill remained intact. And, uh, but we tried to get the whole thing thrown out, but they had a, what they call the severability clause. But what, what we got was a Tenth Amendment challenge, and that was the, the Tenth Amendment state sovereignty was what uh, we filed on. 
and uh, our lawyers were very astute in doing it under the Tenth Amendment, because we ruled, we said, uh, whether gun control is legal or not, that's not really the issue here. We're saying that the federal government cannot tell any sheriff in this country or any other public official in this country to participate in gun control or any other. In fact, they can't tell us to do anything. They have no jurisdictional authority. They do not have uh, any authority constitutionally or otherwise over the office of sheriff, and that's what they were trying to commandeer. Uh, is the Office of Sheriff for federal bidding, and they even threatened to arrest us if we failed to comply. And so this was such an atrocious move by the federal government, threatening to arrest sheriffs if you don't help us with our gun control programs. And so uh, the lawsuit was a, a major victory for state sovereignty, and it was absolutely the most powerful states' rights, state sovereignty decision in the history of America. And I encourage all your listeners uh, to go to my website and look at the case. And uh, it's at cspoa.org or uh, sheriffmac.com. And also at CSPOA, Constitutional Sheriffs, Peace Officers Association, cspoa.org, you can get my latest book. And it talks about the power of the sheriff and what sheriff, which sheriff, the, it, asks, it answers this question. Which sheriff do you want in your county? The sheriff like Sheriff Gillespie in uh, Clark County, Nevada, who told the BLM, you can come in my county anytime you want and do whatever you want to whomever you want. Uh, and then, Or like Sheriff Tony DeMeo in a county just north uh, west of uh, Clark County, who told the BLM just the opposite. You're not taking the cattle of the Wayne Haig family. You're not going to do anything. You're not going to arrest these people. Uh, they're still filing appeals in courts. And we just had a sheriff, uh, Scott London, in Eddy County, New Mexico, do that to the IRS. Say, look, this is still in court. You're coming to take this man's property. I'm not going to have it. You're not going to do it. They said, we could arrest you for trespassing. He goes, I'm the sheriff of this county. You're not going to arrest me. We and, need more uh, sheriffs like that. And you said Nevada. Well, that's the question. Wanna... Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So everybody should get the book, Are You a David? In other words, are you willing to take on Goliath, or are you just going to let Goliath come in and do whatever he wants? Uh, speaking of Nevada, you were at the Bundy Ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, had a lot of friends there, actually, that day when uh, the federal government was there, with, armed, armed federal government. Yep. And I believe at the Bundy Ranch, if it wasn't for the Americans that were there in force to stop them, I think things would have had a different outcome. Um, we've talked about the no Bundy question. Ranch on this show. Um, yeah, no before. question about that. That's true. That's yeah. absolutely true. Uh, just for those who may be, you know, learning for the first time, the Bundys um, have a ranch in Nevada, and the BLM, uh, because of Harry Reid, we have found out, has an investment on the land there. Anyway, they tried to say that the Bundys, Clive and Bundy, uh, you know, hadn't been paying the uh, the cow grazing fees and um, so that they wanted to, you know, take their cattle, their land, whatever, away from them. What's going on at the Bundy Ranch today? Have an update for us? Well, uh, yeah, everybody there is still afraid that they're, coming back and that they're trying some some more shenanigans 
we we're not sure what's uh, in store. Just like we weren't sure that this was going to happen, that the federal government was going to hire private mercenaries to come in and kill the Bundys and other protesters. That was definitely on the list. The order to kill was given. We're not sure who gave it, but we know it was given. And it was announced. Mm -hmm. It was announced on a bullhorn that that these people there were going to be killed. And then a deputy by the name of Tom Roberts, who recognized the situation, was sensitive enough to realize that these people were going to be murdered by our own government and uh, uh, thugs that they had hired to, to do that. He stepped in the way, and this story is in my book, Are You a David? Uh, And I've interviewed people about it, including the Bundys. And Deputy Tom Roberts, who didn't want any publicity that he had done this, uh, literally uh, interposed himself, put himself between the the protesters and the government uh, snipers, and told the government snipers to stand down and leave. And they did. They left. And if he hadn't, if 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 Deputy Roberts hadn't done that, I believe uh, some serious uh, violence and killing would have taken place. Oh dear Lord! Well, you see, PLA, I went to your. Remember, I was very pregnant at the time, but I went to your uh, first event, your debut event. In yeah. Las Vegas, and I have to say, I was so thrilled to see so many sheriffs, including Sheriff Joe, who has his own battles with the federal government today. Um, a lot of sheriffs were there. It was exciting to see. Uh, have more sheriffs joined? Do you see a growing movement in this country? Yeah, it is growing, but I'm very impatient with it. It's it's going far too slowly. And uh, I honestly believe if we were funded that I could really get out and get these sheriffs uh, more educated and uh, more involved. Uh, You know, they kind of get caught up in the drug war and all the other mundane issues facing them as sheriffs. And the freedom issues kind of get put on the back burner. But we do have amazing stories that I recite in the book about many sheriffs who have stood for the Constitution and stood for God-given rights of the people in their counties, and they are living proof that what we are doing is working. Uh, and for you know, I pray every day that we'll get enough donations that we can take this whole thing uh, to the next level and make it bigger, better, and faster. Right now. <laughs> wow. Do you have David Clark? Is he a member of? Because I like him. David Clark, Milwaukee County Sheriff, the only dark-complected sheriff from all of Wisconsin. He was last year in 2013, I should say, the CSPOA Sheriff of the Year. Oh, amen. And he's on our tapes, and you definitely want to get those tapes where Sheriff Clark just spoke recently on September 17th in Washington, D.C. with us at the CSPOA press conference and he just knocked it out of the park. And many other speakers, uh, Stuart Rhodes, Larry Pratt, Michael Peruca, and a, a great lineup of speakers that spoke in Washington, D.C. on uh, Constitution Day uh, of this past year. Well, Mackie, I'm with you. 
Um, I think it's moving too slow. I think that there's, I do believe that there's 3% of us in this country that are awake and aware, including my co-host, Randy, who will come out here and ask a question here too. But I don't know what to do. What solutions? Because the, the oligarchy, the, the, the statist government has grown. I can't believe how strong it is today. What solutions? What can we do? I, I, seriously, I've run out of ideas myself. Well, CSPOA is solution-oriented. In fact, yes. I, I get really put out with the patriots who don't focus on a solution. And yes. there are very few yes. that are out there. Amen. And, and uh, let me tell you right now, the common law grand jury is not one of them. It is not. I agree. I agree. It could be. It could be later on, but right yes, now it is, it is not. We have to start at the basic. We have to start with A, B, C, D. You can't start with X, Y, Z and think you're going right. to make this. Okay? So you have to get involved locally with your local officials, especially your sheriff. He needs to hear from you. You need to hold his feet to the fire. You need to go volunteer to be on the posse. You need to be part of uh, encouraging him to get involved with us get educated. He cannot do this if he's not educated. Okay? Right. So he has to be educated, and that's what we're doing at the CSPOA. And, again, there's we have the proof that it's working. We just have to do more of it. And it will not happen if the American people and that 3% group that you're talking about, if we don't get more active and more involved in this solution of taking back America one sheriff at a time, county by county and state by state. There's some counties, especially in California, L.A. County is never going to do this, okay? No. So don't no. try to do it. Orange County, another one, one of the worst sheriffs ever, uh, Sheriff Hutchins, uh, yeah. lady there that, that beat Bill Hunt for some stupid reason. Right, right. But I anyway, don't think she beat him. I think yeah, that's a whole other story. It could take a whole other hour. Because there's, a lot, there's yeah. a lot of corruption there, and they yeah. may have stolen it, but the the thing of it is, there are some counties where we really can make this happen. There are places where sheriffs are sitting on the fence on this, and the sheriff's boss, we the people, have got to get involved in that process of making sure our our employees toe the line and stand up for freedom, put freedom first, put liberty first, and put the federal agencies and bureaucrats in their place when they come into your county. What if we had... Literally hundreds of sheriffs doing what Sheriff Scott London did, standing up to them and saying, you're not doing this in my county. We could solve the IRS problem tomorrow. Yes. And so that's what we have to do. We have to stand up to the, to the EPA, the FDA, the BATF. And, I mean, why would any sheriff allow the BATF to come into his county after we know that they were in charge of Fast and Furious sending guns to Mexico that killed hundreds of Mexicans and two Border right. Patrol agents, uh, including Brian Terry. Right. Why would we do that? Exactly. And you know what? Other really strong liberty advocates, uh, G. Edward Griffin, friends of ours, and Chuck Baldwin say the same thing. You've got to fight locally first. And I agree with you about the whole jury thing. I looked into that matter, as you know. It's too far-fetched at this point. We haven't even woken up Americans to the fact that they're living under not a constitutional government. So we can't yeah. go that far yet. I agree with you. Randy, what question do you have for Sheriff Richard Mack today? 
Wow, I don't even know where to begin. This has been like my favorite interview we've ever done. God bless you, Sheriff <laughs> Mac. Thank you so well, much. Thank you. Um, I guess um, the, I was I was jotting down notes, and you guys have pretty much covered but about anything I would ask. One that I would like to backtrack to: um, Would you tie the drug war to the prison for profit system? Um, and what are your thoughts on the prison for profit system? Since I brought it up. <laughs> Well, you you have to, and if you look at the drug war, the drug war has made America the most incarcerating country in the world yeah. uh, per, per capita, something that we should be ashamed of. Uh, but yeah. the IRS also plays a part in that. The IRS puts thousands of people in prison, debtors' prison, and, right. and the, bu- the bureaucratic nonsense of this country has created the profit uh, prison for profit system, and uh, nobody. Uh, should be in prison because they use drugs. Uh, these people need help, and we yeah. need to get them help. And uh, the system is so wrought with this type of uh, corruption uh, and profit, you know, profiteering. Uh, it's pretty scary. Uh, and yeah. the American people, the American people, should be afraid of that system. And we also have an obligation as Christians to make sure that our brothers and sisters and our neighbors are not being put in prison by our out-of-control government, and we need to change that and change it now. I agree. It's almost like judges and district attorneys get a commission for how many people they send up the river. Well, they they have another uh, financial motivation. They And I've seen this personally, and I've talked about this in my books as well. Prosecutors are more concerned with their own win-loss records and their career to build their careers than they are about justice and, and truth in court. They're not. Sounds like a blog they don't care. <laughs> they care about winning the case so that they can run for office next time and say, I won uh, 99% of my cases, and we filed on all these drugs, mm-hmm. and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to have zero tolerance for drug abuse. And, and they don't understand the cost that is to families and to humans and to real lives. And what we've done to our children and to destroy families and parents and take away homes and take away bank accounts and literally destroy people uh, because they smoke pot. Uh, and it, it's, it's really – we should be embarrassed by this, and it is an, a, an absolute shame. And we have got to get uh, back to the basics here. And I'm talking about Christian ethics and pure constitutional principles. I, amen. I, I agree with everything you have said tonight. I wish we had another hour to tell you the truth, uh, but you know, I, I, we, we've got to have this man back on the show. That, that's all I can say. Is I, this is outstanding. Well, Thank you so much. There's still a lot more you, to sir. talk about, and and there, I would love to talk more about this. And so, yeah, just give me a holler, and uh, we'll we'll do it again. Amen. Cool. Well, I want uh, two things, and apparently Obamacare um, is is not enough to help you with your medical expenses. Uh, and of course, I'm being a little, a little, you know, uh, uh, oh gosh, Obamacare. So, you know, if you want to help my friend, uh, Sheriff Richard Mack, with his medical expenses, and he didn't know that I was going to say this on air. He did not ask me to, nor did he send this to me. I want to make sure people understand that. Very, understand this very clearly. Yeah. Um, you can go to GoFundMe.com slash Help Sheriff Mac. 
Again, Richard didn't mention it on the show at all, if you notice. He didn't send this to me to mention it on the show. My friend Ted Hayes sent this to me. So I want to make sure that's clear. So if you want to help him with that. And also, uh, Richard, give out your uh, your website again so that people can get involved. Yeah, everybody uh, can join CSPOA, and it, we do have a, a plan of action for you uh, to take back America. And, again, you start in your county. So go to CSPOA, become a member. Uh, it's only $35 for a one-year membership. Uh, or buy the book. The, the best thing you could do right now is buy the book, Are You a David? Get that. Every American home should have that in it. It's all solution-oriented, and we can do this, but we have to know the plan, and we have to focus on solutions. CSPOA.org. And, uh, no, quite honestly, uh, I have to – I'm embarrassed about it, but uh, I'm, in, I'm embarrassed about two things. I can't pay my bills because I don't have insurance, and uh, two – uh, I'm embarrassed that I forgot your show. I, I, but I knew I'd be home, so I didn't worry about it. But I had forgotten about your show until they called, and um, uh, I did not ask you to do that. And I thank you very much for putting that out there, though. Thank you. Well, I adore you. You can come back anytime. Unfortunately, we're out of time. This has been the Wake Up Mission Show. Tomorrow we have Robert Rosebrook. We'll be talking about homeless veterans. Thank you very much. Thank you for spending your time with us on the Wake Up Mission Show. There's always a reason to celebrate. Weddings, quinceañeras, or just because I love you. Now, for a limited time, switch to AT&T and buy two Samsung Galaxy S7s for one great price. Visit your nearest AT&T store today. AT&T, mobilizing your world. Limited time offers. Each line requires eligible port-in, trade-in, purchase, and service. Get minimum of $10 trade-in credit plus prepaid card in amount of device balance or early termination fee less trade-in. Fees, charges, and restrictions apply. See store for details.